All right, folks, we're back once again live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? And welcome back to episode 68 of uh, How You Living. Collecting Medicare checks for three episodes. Damn. Um, It's good to see you all. Uh, Chaz is in the house, and we also have with us Mr. Nick Ackerman. Hi, how are you? Our uh, <laughs> new science and education uh, correspondent. Here. Just <laughs> overall weirdo. As well, exactly. Uh, and that's right, folks. We're here, episode 68, in late January, just before Mr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Right, first Reverend episode Doctor. of the year, I guess. Um, it's been two official years since 45 has been in office as of today or today we're recording. Yeah, I don't have any bells and whistles for that one, so we'll just leave it at wah, wah. Yeah, that that works. Yeah. But uh but it you know, we're we're here and uh we're starting an episode of How You Live In, which we like to do a little segment in the beginning called Callbacks. Callbacks. Exactly. That's where we got the name because we just took Chaz saying it and then I just bit it and that became the segment. How about that? Because he he does this alliteration thing when he says something cool. (laughs) So uh, when we were in the uh, callback segment, we're going to look back at the episodes we've talked about and things that are happening once again. Uh, What's on your mind, Chaz, for a callback this week? I mean, I guess to get it out of the way, today I believe marks day 30 of the government shutdown or partial shutdown. And this one is officially the longest in history ever. So, you know, it's there's still, you know, probably no. Well, I guess now I can say that I I was listening to the news this morning and Trump was uh, not changing his mind about the wall. But he was like, it's not going to be some 2000 uh, mile long thing across the entire border. Now it's only going to be walls and problematic spaces. Uh, places so you know i guess he is trying to negotiate his way down to like not full wall but you know partial wall even though right now that doesn't work either so i don't know right that'll be that'll be an interesting uh kind of discussion as we move forward because ultimately um unless the government is just shut down for the remainder of the year there will be a compromise and Mm -hmm. to what direction and what extent that compromise will be um, is yet to be told, which kind of goes back to our episode where we did talk about the government shutdown because mm-hmm. it is a partial shutdown, but it's going on now. And we are starting to hit those dates as far as like the tax return thing we talked about. Oh, yeah. Um, the end of uh, certain food service and stamp, you know, kind of like snap benefits for mm-hmm. they're running out of money and national parks. National parks have been closed and are full of trash and and are unmaintained, which is kind of the thing. I mean, it's a wildlife area. But in order for people to kind of inhabit a wildlife area like that, you have to maintain a certain structure. Mm -hmm. The trail Mm -hmm. systems, the... Uh, the different kind of camp areas and lodging areas. It's a it's a it's a living breathing system, and so it requires kind of maintenance. And yeah, letting them stay fallow and shut down. TSA workers are calling in sick. <laughs> oh yeah, three times the normal rate of the TSA since their inception. So I mean, <clears throat> I heard uh, at airports TSA agents are playing like inappropriate music yeah i heard i heard sicko mode <laughs> was playing loud. at jfk <laughs> right uncensored uncensored <laughs> travis scott since uh, sicko mode which shout out to whichever episode i started with a couple clips from that uh but yeah no and 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 i think um 
this negotiation, this new Congress and this president, you know, this is going to be the compromise that kind of sets the standard for the remainder of this presidency. That's true. Uh, you know, we've never had a president removed from office via impeachment. We've just had presidents impeached. So even if we go through that process to hope for the second half to even occur is interesting. And being left with Mike Pence is like this weird negotiating like problem itself. You yeah. Know? So, uh, you know, the, the, looking forward, we almost have to accept the final two years of the presidency and, and really kind of focus on that 2020 mark and kind of where uh, the argument's going to be, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the word compromise is big right here, you know, because it, the whole country needs to come together. We, we've got so much divisiveness happening that we can't get anything done. So, you know, That's we, we can't be completely against every decision that the other side makes. Just come together, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the language these days is a lot more specific than it once was when when we when we had these kind of gray area congresses and 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 uh, senates. Um, there, there's really kind of like outlined positions now. You know, it's not just kind of these generalities to be a Republican and these generalities to be a Democrat. It's like very specific stances and ideologies now, and I, I, it's harder to make that kind of knit congress uh commitment that we used to have with compromise in in that type of arena i guess so i guess that's why we're kind of at the stalemate because I, I don't think anyone wants to be shut down oh yeah no of course not but so. you know xenophobia drives people wanting the wall so you know and people are just making the moral decision to say no to xenophobia so it's hard to compromise when your principles <laughs> like and it's it, you're at the point now where you're asking people to compromise their principles to come together and the only time people compromise their principles is when they need to survive so unless they get to the point where they need to survive people aren't going to compromise their uh their principles okay and that, and that could be true, but that is definitely kind of a death sentence for our current structure in, in Congress and in, in, in the situation of, like, saying, where are we going to go from here? If what you're saying is that either side, it's the, only their principles, then it's kind of like you're, they're going to, oh, the only way is if they, they need to. So, like, people go hungry. So it's like only if people go hungry and people stop having access to services – like the ultimate that's when change will occur. Yeah. Like why are we so like disillusioned by ourselves that we can like like stand to watch that happen in order to make a a, a difference? Like I, I don't I, I don't like that answer in a lot of ways. Like I think I do think kinda of what, what Nick is, is pointing out, mm-hmm. there's a requirement to a degree of them to come together on both sides, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's a requirement in the sense that the duty of the government has never been put on hold for such bickering mm-hmm. as it is now. It's been, it's been debated and it's been restructured and it balloons out and it recedes and it comes back, but it doesn't come to these screeching, screeching halts of just lack of, of empathy for the other side. Like it's like what we're seeing right now. So I'm, I'm wary of the future, but I definitely don't want to dictate it to where it has to get work. Cause if we live through that, if we get like something worse than the depression in the modern era, you know, where we have these, like, instead of the zombie apocalypse, it's just like homeless, tired, hungry Americans apocalypse, where we're just walking through the streets begging from whoever seems to have, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, that's a terrible, you know, and that's a weakness at that moment. I mean, who's to say other governments and countries that have been mad at us are going to let us like go through all that 
without taking advantage of our structural collapse, you know. So I I don't know, man. It's uh it is divisive, as as Nick was pointing out, and mm-hmm. and it is principles, as you're pointing out. So yeah. like, where do we where do we marry these two? You know, how do how do we find a way? Uh, eventually, somebody will swallow their pride. Eventually, they'll give up on the zine. Like, eventually, someone will build some facsimile of the wall. But like, <laughs> but at the same time, they're going to condemn their xenophobia therein. Because that that's what has to happen. Like we we all know the wall is a bullshit plan, and we all know like when it comes to actual public policy, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. The facts say that, right? So for them to be against it on that alone, I'm fine with, right? And the other side only wants it because they're like those brown people down there are bringing in their drugs and stuff because that's what he said at the beginning. Right, so that, coming that's, down the escalator. Yeah, that was his first message. Right. So yeah. and that's that's where we're at. That's why there's a standstill. Like you know. The, the government is the victim here, right? The people are the victims, right? <laughs> right? I, so. I, I wish you stood by the government as the victim. Like, <laughs> that's our stance. The thing is, I think we can all agree that, yes, we do need mm-hmm. border security everywhere. Yeah. And Democrats have also been saying it for years and years. You know, mm-hmm. Obama, Clinton, Bush, everyone is saying we need border security. But yeah. it's now because um, fucking Trump is saying we got to build this wall. Yeah, we need this wall, and it's like, no, no, we just got to be against that guy. How about there is a wall in place? There in a lot of places, in an, yeah, a bunch of places. There's already walls, and even know? border security was like they built tunnels, right? Yeah. Like, look how much how ineffective of a plan mm-hmm. this is, right? So I think there, like, there's reasons to be like, no, we're not going to give you the money because this is an ineffective use of money, right? Like, there, there's so many like logical and effective defenses against building the wall, right? Like, it feels weird to be like the people who have the sensible plan to say no have to be like, well, these people are like, we hate brown people, so let's build the wall anyway. Right? right? That's what it boils down to. <laughs> like, yeah, it's interesting. It's def- and it's definitely the this this weird reaction when people uh, meet somebody of a different culture mm-hmm. where there's a language barrier. Um, I think um, a lot of it has to do with that, like these communities in the Southwest and stuff, just being tired of having to be bilingual, basically, because they meet people from this other culture, and it's like that that has you know xenophobia for sure. But it's like it's strange that it's it's literally this language almost that like because they'll see the people and as soon as someone's speaking Spanish, they're probably like, oh, I bet you they came over the border, you know, as opposed to being like, oh, I wonder what that person is doing or like, why are you know, what is their story? It's and so it's strange that it's it literally just boils down to not being able to understand each other, Um, because I think I think if, you know, basically white Americans who are living along the border um, and that are crying foul to this and are the ones like somehow still supporting Trump, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it comes down to just not seeing it in the lens of the humanitarian crisis that it is. And that, yeah. um, you know, if these people could speak very fluent English, they would, and they would tell you, you know, I need help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can you please help me? Yeah. You know, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. Right. 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 Maybe we should put that on a monument somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, even on some, like, what's those things? Vice News, you know how they like to have those? Uh, who wants to? They had one of those things where, like, who wants to build the wall and who doesn't, right? And I know it's very anecdotal, but it was someone who was Latino 
who was like, no, I think we need to do better about our border security. And it's like, how'd you come over here? Oh, my parents came over here illegally. What? <laughs> like, so, yeah. like, there, there's some, like, hypocrisy, but I do agree that the way it's being framed doesn't show the entirety of the problem. Right. Each side only has, because, like, I've watched some of the Vice things, and... Uh, like it, it since the beginning since this is still a callback marianne mendoza was the first scapegoat uh because you know a gang member uh killed her son who was a police officer and he was here illegally and that was like the first trump like this is the type of people we don't want here like and that's specifically been the frame that he's been using this entire time right so now we have like ice detentions and everything and so like it, it's so the way it's being framed on one end is like, well, yeah, you're looking at those people, but that's a limited sample size of people. Like the entirety of the people who are doing it are not those people. Right. Right. Or, you know, and and then you can go into it and say there's things about, you know, field workers and everything like that and the jobs they take. Right. But uh, in the end, it's like, I don't think I think we're arguing with a set of people who frame the problem in such a myopic sort of way i think if we are going to come to a compromise i think we first have to look at the whole thing in its entirety and be like okay this is this is like this is what actually is happening this is how many of those individuals actually do it and this is a compromise to say if we want to keep the bad people out this is how we should do it yeah right but but you're also dealing with a population where a large percentage of them still think the world is seven thousand years old (laughs) and that (laughs) yeah dinosaurs and yeah i know you're not gonna get someone with logic who didn't get themselves into logic so we're gonna have to appeal to them emotionally Right. And I think there has been a few uh, emotional appeals. There have been people in towns because I feel as though that people only hate brown people as a macro a lot of the times. Like they have this idea of who they are, but then they'll meet someone like on an interpersonal thing. They're like, oh, you're cool people. You're not like the people I want. And, And there's been instances of people in florida where there's a town and they're like well we didn't really know that they're gonna take away all our friends and then they're like what <laughs> so <laughs> I, when i was in college i had this one class was called uh, education in the inner city and mm-hmm. um it, it was the first time i'd heard the term institutionalized racism and like so i was like i'm not racist i'm not racist at all i love mm-hmm. everybody and it's like it doesn't matter what really you believe it's what the entire society believes and what's been fucking entrenched for years i'm sorry i'm cursing too much no, <laughs> <laughs> but what what has been entrenched in our culture for years and years and years and like i said oh, i'm not racist i love everybody but there are these things these underlying mm-hmm. problems you know that we we need to solve and because we're racist we don't want those brown people from, the, from mexico coming in are, haven't more terrorists come from the northern border than the southern border? Yeah. Is that a true fact? Well, I think... Well, well by airplane and airports yeah. the most. Yeah, most of our problems, if you want to talk about terrorism, are thrown. They're homegrown. Well, that's <laughs> We it. just don't call mm-hmm. it terrorism because they're white. <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, that yeah, that fact as well. Right. Foreign national terrorism, though, if you were, if you were to use that, it it's mostly comes through airports. Oh, yeah. With easily, you know, well over two-thirds, probably, like, five eights or something uh six eights <laughs> of uh, i guess that's two whatever that is three-fourths mm-hmm. is coming through the northern border it's like very few have actually been detained coming through the southern border mm-hmm. and that that is a lot to do with how actually 
physically imposing the border is down there and like dealing with border security is an ongoing process of Mm -hmm. inspection and pulling over and discovery of drugs and interrogation and Mm -hmm. finding the root source and like yeah that's why they're going into tunnels and making these like kind of basically technology advances on their end as far as what what their plans are Mm -hmm. um that being said we have that was probably the longest opening segment of callbacks. We're officially in episode. Indeed, yeah, that was like a, a length of a segment. Segment, yeah, I guess it is one. Uh, we're here again in episode sixty-eight uh, to bring you uh, the woke news, as it were. Uh, Chaz, what do you have, man? Uh, let me see. Should we start off with like America is a mind fuck to has like. One thing that just happened recently, and that's the the kids from a Catholic school uh, with the MAGA hats at the Indigenous People's Rally uh, harassing a man. So that's that's another one of those uh, events that's going down. I just saw it like usually Saturday is my escape from social media day. So I only saw smatterings of it. Um, but then there's also the other thing that was going on and that's the Gillette ad, which I mean, I don't know how many people are actually talking about it. I'm right. in groups who talk about it. And basically, cause like I'm in groups that have right leaning people in there and my Facebook is left leaning people. It's basically like, well, like if the too long didn't read, I would sum up from the other side is uh, you, they're saying we hate this ad because you're not valuing masculinity the way you should. Right. And the other side is saying, like, no, the things you value in masculinity are toxic. Stop. Right. And then those people are clashing because of those things. Uh, Because, like, I've read some posts where, you know, like one person responded that they think masculinity is good and not having masculinity is the bad thing. Right. Um, And we I at least under or think why that's problematic. But, of course, trying to convince them that it's going to be, you know, a tough road to hold. Uh, and there's other people who would try to take, like, the heartfelt approach and say, like, think about your sons, think about your fathers, think about your friends. Do you really think they're like this, right? Kind of trying to make that emotional plea, like, if you think men are like this, then why do you like men, right? Or something like that. And I'm like, well, okay, I get I get that defense, too. Um, and then Why's it got to be one or the other, you I, know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> can it be a little bit of both, you it know? can, but nuance <laughs> is lost on people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeez. yeah. So and, I, I just, I'm going to just not shave. That's what I'd say. <laughs> I, I have a big beard, everybody, so. <laughs> Screw it. I'm not shaving. No. It, it. It's an option. It is an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, personally speaking, there's been, like, weird times where, like, I've dealt with uh, – you're you're a boy and you shouldn't be doing that things like not said explicitly to me but like i remember the first time i was walking down the street and apparently i was swinging my arms too much and my mom was like no don't do that boys don't do that like my mom deliberately told me not to do that and then i remember going to an arcade with my cousin and we're playing air guys which is a fighting game uh it had two i think it was built by squaresoft but it had two fighting character two characters from uh final fantasy so so i picked tifa and then he looked at me like why are you picking the girl character and i'm like Cause she fights well <laughs> like <laughs> and like so and then i guess the other one which it deals with drinking is i love me some strawberry daiquiris so right when i turned 21 maybe like six months after there was this bar that i could walk to from my place when i lived in uh 
Chestnut Hill in Philadelphia. And I went in there and I got my strawberry daiquiri and there's these two old heads in there. And he's all like, what you drinking? Like, why are you drinking that? You shouldn't be drinking that. You got to be drinking whiskey. Then they like swig. They do like, ah, yeah, that's how it goes down. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's how I met Chaz. I was the guy drinking whiskey. <laughs> I gotta say, since I've been here in Seattle, it's it's pretty great. Um, yeah. Compared to you know, I'm from New Jersey, and toxic masculinity is a thing. Yeah. You're from Philly. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but out here, everybody's like, you can just be yourself. Exactly. You know, like, I, I work in the U district, and I see some characters every day, and it's it's awesome. It's like great. You have freaking spikes hanging off of your knees and elbows for some reason. Yeah. Because that you're unique and way to go. You know, it's like. Once again, that was me. I, I'm, I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> yeah. I was enjoying my spikes. I was uh, drinking a virgin strawberry daiquiri because I was in public, so I couldn't have of know, course, yeah. alcohol in it. Was this in Seattle? No, well, oh. he's he's no, well, he's talking about the U district. I was oh, I was, oh, I was oh. yes ending the story, but putting myself in it. I guess. Oh, okay. I oh. guess it was a little bit of ego and a little bit funny. We'll probably be a bubble tea down there. There's plenty of those places. Bubble yeah. tea, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the U district. U district is a cool spot in Seattle as far as like uniqueness and like characters that hang around. Because uh, it's like still part of the city, but then you have the kind of vibrancy of the college being right there, mm-hmm. and so it creates kind of an interesting nightlife, and then a mix of kind of like older and younger people. Because yeah, those that live there and those that are going to school there, mm-hmm. and definitely if you're in the city and you're looking for anything like Asian foods and everything, uh, there's an H Mart that just opened up there, which which makes sense because there are a certain degree of students who go to UW who are international, so. Uh, it does have a bit of an international vibe to it as well. Mm-hmm. A lot, lot of building going on right now. There's a massive crane that's building some sort of like 30-story high-rise or who knows, mm. more gentrification. Yeah, they are allowed. Yeah, <laughs> Come they did, our way. They upped the uh, the, the height to, to match the Hotel Deca, I think. So things, oh, okay. So things can build as high as Hotel Deca down there now. Oh, that's what's up. Which is like a 30-story, I think, yeah. I so, won. Oh. Anyway. Oh, no, I was going to say, I wonder if they got rid of that clause, though, that if they rezone you, you have to start paying the taxes like you are that zone. Uh, I don't know, though. Oh, you know, people are definitely paying higher property taxes in that area now. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely one of the ways the city makes its extra money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, uh, what else is going on? Is there any uh, specific acts in Congress or public events outside of the, I mean, the Gillette thing everyone saw? Yeah, I, it's it's funny. I mean, it, it's just kind of another moment where you can you can choose to unfriend some people on public media if they've got a real harsh opinion about a a commercial <laughs> and then b that it's somehow attacking their manhood. Uh, it's funny. I have a ridiculous amount of friends on Facebook because of the whole uh, bearding community. Like, I think oh, of I'm course. almost up to like three thousand friends, and I, I never unfriend anybody because. I want to hear your point of view. I want to hear, even if you're batshit crazy and are out of this world, like, I still want to know what you have to say. Yeah. You know? I'm like Sun Tzu. You keep your friends close, you keep your enemies closer. There you go. <laughs> I have a very curated group of friends on Facebook. <laughs> uh, I cut everybody. I have <laughs> people daily. 
Um, also, you're probably being followed by a thousand Russian bots, but that's well, okay. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's yeah, and but that's that's knows. a yeah, bots mm. on bots on bots. Well, what are they gonna find out? What, what I, mean, I, I have no idea. Uh, the Instagram bots are funny because they're just like a hot girl's picture, a name, and then like, hey, click on this link that doesn't look like any other link you've ever clicked on, mm-hmm. and see more of me. And, and then it's like they've never posted, and they have like 50 followers so you're like okay these people you sent this message to and then they're following like 1500 yeah yeah and I'm i always get a like, lot of those i'm on always instagram. like block <laughs> and, and it's a that's actually that's funny we could talk about that because that's been going on since like the internet has been a thing like me getting random messages on aim saying like do you want to talk to me tonight baby yeah there right? was do you want to be with me tonight daddy like click this weird link right and, then, <laughs> and i can remember like in an emotional state where like kind of leaning into like the intersection of this gillette ad and you know toxic masculinity where it's like oh my god i'm a virgin and i need to have sex i don't know what to do but this lady's talking to me Ooh, maybe i should go right and like and i know like the incel movement is like you know that taken into a very dark place right and yeah so so i just find it funny that that people still find a way to be like i'm gonna try to take your insecurities and exploit them in this very horrific and manipulative way yeah yeah the ones that get me are the ones that have like a hundred and something posts, mm-hmm. but then still the same other like stuff there, like the the fifty followers and the eighteen hundred people they're following. And I'm always like, okay, you, your bots are getting more sophisticated. So what you're saying is I should probably go through my list. And... Oh, I mean, it's up to you. <laughs> Trim the fat. I mean, the bots. I mean, it, <laughs> I'm just saying I, I like because there's a couple people who I'm friends with who are very on the right wing and mm-hmm. talking about you know like right. wearing their MAGA hats and thinking that Trump yeah. is the best I call those family members <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, 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 I'm like where are you coming from like I just want to understand you know but yeah um, but you're right the bots the bots need to go the bots can go <laughs> the bots can go the pretty girls some of them can go um, mm-hmm. unless yeah. they're like actually active humans yeah if they're real influencers that's interesting some, yeah everybody's got something to say you know you, exactly well, there, the bots don't have anything to say. No. But, well, and then there's like the kind of the people that act like bots. The like, I'll follow you, follow me people. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, they're like, follow at me because I'm following peeps. I'm in the follow crew. Follow gang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people on social media are just like, yeah, you get you gauge value by just having followers. I'm like, no. People who have a lot of followers, they have something about them that people value. It can be vapid, right? It can be, you know, superficial. But it, there's something that they value, like... Uh, what is it? Have you seen the any of the documentaries for the Fire Festival? Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I watched the one on Netflix last <laughs> night, and apparently, uh, Chaz here binged both the Netflix <laughs> and the Hulu documentary. It it it, but, it it was but, compelling. But it's, it is compelling. It's compelling. It's compelling on like a layered. St- you've got like a Bernie Madoff kind of guy. <laughs> You've got a like rave festival attempt that's gonna be like off the chain, uh-huh. and and then you've got this whole underbelly of follow culture, yeah, and insta power, and like how that's what created the entire like base behind this thing to exist. So it never formally existed, even at the last moment when they 
quote unquote through the festival mm-hmm. yet it lived in in infamy on the internet just based on because people liked it on the idea it doesn't of have it. to be true yeah did, yeah did a bunch of people show up like at a parking lot because they thought that like uh, something Fr- like uh, that. fred durst or something was going to be doing a concert uh, wow it was, it was like some sort of like oh fucking limp biscuits getting back together come to this <laughs> parking lot at this time a bunch of people showed up and they're like what are, you, what are you doing here? There's nothing happening. Like, it was they the just cops. Made it up. They're like, you guys <laughs> suck. Get out of here, Limp Bizkit fans. Ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. <laughs> Let's cause... get them all in one place and yeah. drop a bomb. Boom. Yeah. Oop. Yeah. <laughs> one thing you can learn Policy. from it is that you that's how you make something, uh, let's say, iconic in in this age of social media. Yeah. Like the problem that they, that they were, like the old, it's just... Like ultimately, like he is going to jail because he frauded a lot of people. But um, like I think there's a phrase of overselling and under delivering or something like that, or like like hyping up your expectations too much. And that's what he was doing. Like he was like, I'm selling this idea. I'm gonna say we're gonna have all these things, and then think they were gonna have all those things when they weren't, right? And he just constantly put himself behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. um, because like you look at the whole thing and like he was a uh, I was. I'm still reading the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and they talk about things in different quadrants. And you can tell everything he treated everything like it was urgent and important, right? And didn't give him enough time to treat things that are important but not urgent. So, like by the time it came around, like all the important but urgent, or all the not urgent but important things became urgent and important, and he didn't have enough time to do it, right? So. Sounds like the Trump presidency, really. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the weird thing, uh, staying on the fire festival for a second, is he could have done it. Yeah. Like honestly, if he had, if he had tempered his own expectation and 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 sold it just as a Bahamian trip, like here's yeah. some options for your Airbnb, here's some options for your your hotel stay and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, we'll we'll have very rudimentary camping available. Um, be prepared if you're going to choose that option. Uh, How many but, people went? Um, but then come down here and uh, and experience this, you know, festival that he then would have had a stage built and prepared in an area for them. Uh, you know, almost a year in advance, he could have gotten a lot of this groundwork going. Yeah. But instead, he went the he sold it as like private yachts and private <laughs> villas and like like he just went crazy. Yeah. I mean, and I actually think, right, from a business perspective, throwing a festival for your app that's supposed to allow you to book artists is a fantastic idea. Yeah. Like, I'm actually kind of sad the execution was so shitty because I actually think if the festival was done right. He would have made millions on the app. Exactly. And he would have been able to pay off his investors and he actually wouldn't be in jail for fraud. Exactly. He'd be a success story. Right. I just think he had a a massive lack of patience. But then to answer your question, yeah. So they originally booked for 5,000 and I think about 2,800 people arrived. Yeah. So, wow. So if 5,000 came, it would have been even worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, there were already fires and humanitarian issues from, like, the beginning, like, Mm -hmm. water-related and food. And, um, yeah, it's really funny. They talk about it, like, the the one kind of synopsis I'll give from the documentary specific is they talk about this orange square that they had all these influencers um, tweet out. Or, uh, yeah, maybe some of them tweeted, but it was mostly through Instagram, mm-hmm. this square, and it was symbolizing the fire Festival, and they're going. And this is how you know they're going is because they're 
they're that's like they're tagged in mm-hmm. and so that like really ran fire and really got into the right kind of crowds of people who could fund you know a three four thousand dollar um additional cost to go to this place um and have all these advantages and, and vip treatment and then ultimately one of those goers who was like the baselinest of the baseline people someone who scratched together like thirty five hundred dollars and made it to the event uh, took a photo of a cheese only sandwich, yep. with, like salad that was supposed to be this catered meal. Cheese only, and and not he, even like ketchup on there. He, no, it was like a lettuce, a slice of cheese on bread, and then like this salad that had like two tomatoes and like a pile of lettuce. And it's like, yeah, if you paid like four dollars for that, you wouldn't have minded. But it was supposed to be this like the better food at a hospital, right? Five star <laughs> catered meal, mm-hmm. and and he had at the time like ninety or a hundred followers, and that went around the world that tweet because it was so just against what this thing had been pitched right. as just even 24 hours earlier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, and I think that's the lesson. And, like, ultimately, uh, Ja Rule escaped a lot of the issue. He was tied in with the early stuff. He's actually developing the original app as something else he's calling it, basically a booking connections website. Yeah. Uh Ultimately, uh, music festivals like Coachella and all these other ones are like major draws. They mm-hmm. do get kind of the response. This is it, it creates a culture. It's not that exact vision that he had, like the Bahamian uh, dream vacation. But I went, to, I, I went to Bonnaroo years ago. It was like that, and just thousands of people, lots of people, dirty. Uh, the the facilities were pretty gross. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like when you leave there, you're like the first thing you want to do is just I need to take a shower. I need R- to take a real shower. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, and Burning Man and and all yeah. these things. You know, it's that culture is definitely out there. And so ultimately, I think you're gonna see some like tourism agency see this documentary in like Barbados or Jamaica or Trinidad, and they're just be like, oh fuck, we should just throw our own rich white person party. Oh no, you should. And like, and just like <laughs> own it and have them come down for a weekend and pay us 15 grand to and live like we live every day and they can do it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that, definitely. I think it, because if you look at a lot of like big events and, uh, or, or conferences and stuff, it always seems like it goes from, it being small and intimate about the certain crowd I was trying to build. Then when it becomes mainstream, there's the people who loved it back then that go, I hate this. I don't want to go there anymore. Like if you talk to people who go to the Penny Arcade Expo or the people who go to uh, Bumbershoots, they're like, Bumbershoots used to be so good back in the day. Now look at all this, all this corporatism. Right. right. And I almost feel like that's what you need to do with this too. You need to be like, yo, party people. 45's in office. I know you're feeling bad about your life, so let's do this really exclusive thing where you get the pop bottles, you know, be with models, you know, <laughs> be in villas, like, but we only have space for 500 of you. Right. All right, fire festival, let's go. Yeah. Right? Like, We're doing four of them. We got four <laughs> locations. They're happening four times a year. Each one, 500 people. Sign up now. Right, exactly. And doing it small like that, you definitely would have been like, like Instagram people would have been like, look at me, I'm popping bottles. You know, people who need that vanity, who need yeah. that uh, sort of validation there, yeah. they would have, of course would have been like, yo, here's $3,000. Or they would have gone to their parents and been like, yo, let me get $3,000. Or as um, I learned in the Hulu one, somebody was like, oh, I'm t- I sold all my stuff. Right, yeah. let me go. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Well, the woman that ma- fed the people lost fifty thousand of her own money. Yeah. Thinking she was gonna get a return for being the catering for the entire event. Right. Damn. Yeah. It's, 
I'm just trying to think of a word that rhymes with villas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a solid little like, yeah. rhyme that you had. Yeah. yeah. Popping Pop bottles. bottles. Kicking it with models. <laughs> Living in Chilling villas. Living in villas. <laughs> and I'm going to chill it. I don't know. Yo, this fire festival is killer. Killer. Uh, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, it, it was uh, such a good framework. It was just executed by the wrong people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's weird is there was an underground rave movement in Portland in the 2000s, and their festival was called Fire. Oh, they didn't nice. call it fire festival it's just called fire nice. and everyone would be like you going to fire man and it was like something to do with like the original burning man culture from the late 90s mm. uh like a lot of that was inspired by like seattleites and portland people mm. going down there and like building art and like creating these kind of camps and communities oh, okay um and so they kind of have this tie-in with Burning Man. And so when Burning Man started to blow up in the early 2000s, they started throwing kind of ancillary festivals. Um, some of them are called Afterburn. They always have some, like, burn-related mm. name to them because to kind of Burning play Man. off the Burning Man yeah, yeah, Because yeah, it got too big and they just wanted to Yeah, so, like, they that. were like, this one's called Fire, and it was, like, earlier in the year. Um, and so, like, it's funny that this thing called Fire, I'm like, I bet someone in the, like, pitching community was like, man, I've heard about this one. It's not Burning Man, but mm-hmm. yeah, I went to Burning Man before it was cool, man. <laughs> right. It was just me and a dude, and we just had a fire. It was cool. <laughs> we called it Burning Man because we actually burned. Burned, yeah. <laughs> I, it was me. I tried to move the fire when it was going hot. It was not a good move. It's like, ow, man, burned me, man, burning man. Uh, uh yeah. I don't know, but uh, that, that one didn't land. But anyway, was it? Where's that? In California. Uh, it's in Nevada. It's Nevada. in the Black Rock Desert ah. in Nevada. Um, famously uh, kind of like counterculture uh, and then also now grown into like bigger than what it meant to be and like private jets land in certain areas. And You're talking about Coachella? No, I'm talking oh. about Burning Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Coachella's the same way, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, like- all, yeah. all these festivals have just gotten to the point where you don't even have good artists there anymore. It's like... Mm. Right, side acts and stuff. Uh, yeah, and then there are always there's a couple. You know, they get... It's the same thing with Bumbershoot. There's easily five people there that are like, oh, man, I can't believe they got those five people. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's another 60 where you're like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> somebody. Yeah, yeah I, I mean... How to play guitar, okay. Yeah. I guess I've only been to one festival, and that's the Capitol Hill Block Party. And that one's different too. It's it, definitely evolved yeah. into a corporate. Yeah, that used to be a lot more just kind of natural, like just ready for the celebration of summer. Like mm-hmm. you just show up. Like yeah. Now it's yeah. I mean, painting the grass concerts used to be free. They just played them at the Seattle Center, and it would be like up and coming '90s rock musicians. Like oh wow! The, the President's United States played at Pain in the Grass. Whoa! Like, <laughs> like uh, yeah, I think maybe Mud Honey played at Pain in the Grass. Like. Yeah, it was it was just free, and you just showed up. It's just people with coolers, like in lawn chairs, watching yeah. Like, yeah. micro Nirvana bands. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's fantastic artists out there still, you know, performing at these things. I'm just saying that um, it's gotten too corporate, as you as you were saying. Yeah, I saw I saw the blues festival in Portland is every year. It's free technically, and but they encourage a donation or at least a donation to the food bank, and it actually raises money and food for the food bank. It's oh, great nice, cost. awesome! And uh, and it's three days or four days or I think even up to five, depending on when July Fourth lands. And it's oh, the weekend okay. surrounding July Fourth, um, and so 
uh, and it's it's you know four or five stages, and it's gotten very corporate in the last few years. Like corporate sponsorship is like mentioned in between each act, and like mm-hmm. you know the giant banners, and like like to thank everyone for this Safeway Select moment. You know, <laughs> oh, no, you know you've gone corporate when you do that. And so like all of a sudden, you know, I'm watching Buddy Guy up there, and he's been coming like every other year for. 20 years and you know he'd been doing it for a lot longer but uh he showed up he starts playing this song and he just looks and he's like yo fuck this why are we all talking about Safeway everywhere blues isn't about Safeway blues Mm -hmm. isn't about the Oregonian blues isn't about all this stuff this is bullshit just so you guys know and like he basically ran it for like 20 minutes and he played two songs and left and like everyone was like, "Buddy, guys, never coming back." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, he's choosing not to." Like, yeah, mm-hmm. he th- he thinks this is bullshit. Yeah, so that was an interesting thing. And you know, the festival plays on. It's still a cool festival. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, uh, but you know, it definitely that was a moment in my mind where I recognized uh, where, as an artist, as a creative, as someone in a in a in a blues, which is a very emotional musical mm-hmm. genre. Uh, would feel about you know selling out their art in a way, and it, like, it was painful for him. Enough, oh yeah, no, for sure. Enough to where he just started swearing at a crowd full of basically children and people in their eighties. <laughs> but it was adorable, and I I thought it was great. <laughs> hey, no, sometimes you gotta say down with your corporate over. I heard I heard Buddy Guy say the words "fuck Safeway." <laughs> I will never be the same after that. Like the bar has been raised. It, like sometimes when I'm like nine ninety nine for cheese. Fuck Safeway. <laughs> I think a buddy guy. Hashtag oh buddy guy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh man. Um, I guess, okay, for for a fun topic, uh, you guys, uh, I told and promised um, uh, Nick that we often talk about uh, Disney afternoon-related things, and oh, it's been a while. Snap, it and has. so so like we, we were raised in an era where nice. when you came home from school, uh, you would turn on the TV. There was kind of a transitional period where the, at one point it was like Speed Racer and like uh, Inspector Gadget or like oh, yeah. uh, a Heathcliff, you know, and these kind of one-off cartoons. And then uh, later on it, it evolved into – or Woody Woodpecker was another one that was on a lot with mm-hmm. Chili Willie. I, mm-hmm. I did it like – but the Disney Afternoon came along. And and it was gummy bears and ducktails and tailspin, darkwing yep. duck, uh-huh. rescue, rangers. rescue rangers. Rescue rangers. Oh, that's uh, all I think my even games. later they tagged in like Aladdin and a few of their other projects. Oh yeah, and a Hercules show. To, yeah, towards the later years. Um, but uh, you know, it was like in a lot of ways. I said that I had a joke going for a while that the Disney afternoon raised me because basically I spent two and a half to three hours every day home alone after school watching these kind of morality tales but these silly kind of outlandish characters uh-huh. and and i mean the idea of a super rich great uncle uh who 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 decides to indiana jones it on a whim and like <laughs> solve strange mythological mysteries and travel with his barely qualified pilot i was on board Launchpad's whole thing was that he crashes all the time. Right. Right. This man a license. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And it's like, it's kind of funny too, because that paints your picture of like, it's kind of more of a Mr. Burns esque rich person in the sense that it's like, I'm rich, but I'm also naive. (laughs) 
You are the best pilot to which I'm willing to pay because I don't want to lose any of this money, and so I can't pay one of these corporate pilots. They're just taxing me every day. They've got all these license fees. No, I like the cut of your jib, Launchpad. I'm just a mechanic. I'll give you an airplane. <laughs> like, like yeah. wasn't it? Wasn't like Scrooge McDuck just being really greedy, and he was going yeah. on those expeditions because you just wanted to increase his wealth? Okay, was that? Was that the... <laughs> I, I don't know. At least... I was thinking because he got the name Scrooge from you know Christmas Carol, I mean, right? Scrooge and all. So I always thought that Scrooge McDuck was Ebenezer Scrooge after that experience with the ghost. He was like, oh, uh... now I will be benevolent. Now I'll be nice to my my nephews and give away my money and stuff. But, oh, I mean, okay. he's, he still hoards it. He's got a freaking money bag. There is a, yes, there is a morality tale tied to the Dickens classic with him and that he's definitely goes through it in multiple. He still has the draw of that rich magnet type who, mm-hmm. who, who gained all this wealth, you know, and, um, you know what I'm thinking of, actually? That's probably the plot of the video game, not the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. Oh, yeah, the video game. See, now, the video game also came out on the NES, and it even had a sequel that came out. That's uh, true. Uh, DuckTales. Yeah, DuckTales was definitely Woo. for me. Yeah, yeah. It's not Captain's <laughs> Tales. <laughs> it's Or Boring Tales. It's DuckTales. Um, so. <laughs> uh, I've seen that one duct tape. Like, uh, there's this whole video where the guy talking oh, about they duct, duct tape, tape oh, but he does duct tails yeah. that's good that's oh good. my god nice. the internet's you know the internet uh, is full of things you know listen guys <laughs> i don't know if you know this but cats play instruments no <laughs> um but yeah then you then you move on the jungle book obviously evolved a tail into tailspin, tailspin. which i almost yeah. felt was like <laughs> the pop <laughs> which i thought <laughs> which i thought was like an interesting show because it's it's like they thought Launchpad was the best character out of out of DuckTales. So they're like, let's base a whole show. Wait, wait, we need characters we've heard of. Okay, the Jungle Book starts basing their whole life on a on a on an industry of aviation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like like, yeah, really? like the monkey now lives on an island that you can only get to by airplane. Well, uh, I, I just thought of Blue as like uh, Han Solo, basically. He, he was uh, like a yeah. smuggler. You know, he would take. In the, ta- in the Tailspin episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't think of him in that in the original <laughs> Jungle Book to, to, to any degree. Oh, no, Unless he's smuggling children yeah, deeper into the jungle <laughs> to deal with fiercer and more dangerous creatures, in which case he's a child trafficker. <laughs> Someone needs to arrest Baloo. Um, <laughs> what was that? Uh, Kit Cloud Kicker, right? Oh, Kid Cloud Kicker. Yeah, his little, yeah, his, his little <laughs> sidekick guy. and. Uh-huh. And yeah, no, I, bad guy on that show. I learned, well, King Louie was always going for money. And so sometimes he, mm-hmm. he was at, at odds with King Louie. And then, uh, There's and then another guy was like a pig, shock, the pig con- or something. Oh, oh yeah. Shere Khan, Khan was always, oh yeah. He was in that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also the show that introduced me to kumquats. Because he has this one very specific <laughs> wow. episode where he's proving that kumquats are growing on top of this mountain, and I had no idea what a kumquat was, but they talked about it a lot in that episode, and then eventually I'm like, oh, it's like a fruit. Did you like bust out your encyclopedia or something back no, in the day? You know? I mean, probably, yeah, <laughs> or like looked at the Groilers Encyclopedia CD. Like, Take out my Britannica. And... Yeah. <laughs> kumquat, is that spelled with a K or C? Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah, in the Disney afternoon yeah, and it then was you simpler had times back then right, man. and then you had a second life for Launchpad because wasn't he also the sidekick in Darkwing Duck? Yes, I don't think Launchpad wasn't on Tailspin. 
No, Launchpad wasn't on Tailspin, but he was on Darkwing. He was on Darkwing Duck. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, was, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying that they. I think the Tailspin was based off the popularity of Launchpad. They were like, let's just put Jungle Book characters in planes. <laughs> it, it'll be great. Um, <laughs> the Spruce Goose? What, no, what was the name of his ship? I, I Yeah, the Spruce Moose. Something like that. <laughs> the Spruce Moose. Yeah. No, there was... Yeah, Darkwing Duck, let's get dangerous. Yeah, so then now you have this kind of Batman character that has been brought into... The and it's a cousin of Scrooge, right? It's Scrooge. Is that what it was? Something. He's definitely no. related. Drake yeah. Mallard. Drake Mallard. Yeah, he's related. <laughs> he's related to. Yeah, that's that's the name of the character. It was it was it was played by. You didn't know that one. All right. I mean, no, I knew that was his name, but now I'm like a 33 year old man hearing that, and now I know like different species of ducks, and now I'm just like I can't even. I wonder. Yeah, did you guys know that's where Drake got his name? No. <laughs> He's a huge Darkwing Duck fan. He's a big DWD fan, man. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, you have a Batman element where he's like solving crime. He's mm-hmm. kind of rich. He has he has the ability to have all these gadgets. But he didn't solve anything. It was his uh, niece who did it, right? Yeah, she Ga- was Goslin or no? No, I think her name was Goslin. Yeah, yeah. She was smart. Yeah, and then Launchpad was in there, like mm-hmm. flying around. But he was still inept. He, it, yeah, he's not good at flying. He's, he's still not he's, good he's at getting flying. More jobs. Yeah, who <laughs> no, I, I do. I don't understand. Yeah, what, where's the documentary on Launchpad? Like, I, I think he clearly had a subtle drinking problem too, right? Like, I, really? I, what? I feel like there might be untold uh, imbibement occurring. Well, he was like a mm. World War II pilot. Yeah, he's he's seen some things, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like and ooh. then Launchpad McQuest. and then of course the Rescue Rangers, where instead of doing the Batman style, it's more of kind of like. Like kid detectives who are like, we're gonna fix things around the world. Were they the same? I see. My memory of Rescue Rangers is. Oh them. no, they were. Or, or, so they're chipmunks. They're Two all of them are chipmunks. And yeah, and, and a, be, uh, a fly. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Chip and Dale are uh, chipmunks. Chipmunks, but Gadget and Monterey Jack were are mouse. Ma- me- mice. Yeah, mice. <laughs> mice. Mouse. Mice. Mises, mice, mouses. There were multiple mice. Uh, zipper, right? Zipper's the fly. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, gadget. Uh, famously, the the like mechanic for the mm-hmm. the rescue rangers was, was yeah, girl power. Was girl yeah. power? Yeah, early on. Yeah, yeah a lot of that show had girl power because remember, I think on Tailspin wasn't their manager or their boss a woman? Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I'm looking at an Inspector Gadget picture here. His daughter. What, what was oh, oh, Penny. Penny. Penny, yeah. Penny was definitely, yeah, like, solving all of the crimes. Yeah, one of my friends, um, uh, Alfonso, he he's looking at this uh, print that I got at Comic-Con where it combines Street Fighter with... Uh, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yes. It's pretty great. It's pretty cool. It's pretty great. Uh, but, yeah, I was just uh, reminding the people to, to, to give a look back into the lens of the uh, Disney Afternoon. and. Oh. And recognize a world pre-internet. We wouldn't come home mm-hmm. and jump on the internet, folks. Yeah. But we had our televisions. Absolutely. We could check it out. Was uh, Tiny Toons and Animaniacs? Was that that was a separate? That was a separate. That thing. was a separate institution. But they were also awesome. They were also awesome, and then eventually led. That was on the WB. So yeah. it's not uh, Disney. It's a competitor. It's and Warner it was Brothers. also in the same time slot. Yeah, and oh, so the- it would be Tiny Toon Adventures. Uh, then they also had. Um, uh, what was the later one? Oh, oh Animaniacs, and then yeah. they had Pinky and the Brain came off Animaniacs. Oh, yeah, and then I think Freakazoid was a part of that as well, Freakazoid too. Freakazoid was probably in there, yeah. Oh, uh, there was... Um, mm. 
It's time for Animaniacs. So, um, something cool I went to, and I'm going to forget about what I was trying to think of. Um, I saw uh, Animaniacs in concert in in Fremont. It was at Fremont Abbey uh, a week or two ago. It's cool as hell. Like, we walk in, it's just like a big hall. Not even that big. Maybe 400 people, probably less than that, maybe 200, whatever. And it's just a little stage with just a piano and two stools. I'm like, what's about to happen here? And two guys come out. It's uh, Robert Paulson, who's the voice of Yakko and um, Dr. Scratch and Sniff. And he's one of the voices on um, uh, uh, Jimmy Neutron. Oh, okay. Okay. He's Carl. Uh, whatever i've watched that show a little bit oh man and the guy playing the piano was the guy who wrote all the songs so he's singing as yakko the guy doing the the piano is being like dot or or wacko and like singing and it was amazing Mm -hmm. i was like oh my god it's yakko right there right in front of me that's pretty great that's pretty great (laughs) it was a lot of fun but uh yeah it was a time a time gone uh you know and obviously the tiny tune warner brothers was played post kind of merry melodies mm-hmm. and so you had kind of a, a pull from the from that genre we're young younger bugs teeny, we're all a little loony and in this cartoon <clears throat> we're invading your tv and that's also where we you had the uh the the girl who who loved her animals too much elmira yeah 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 she, she loved them to death, to death. yes yeah. yes yeah. quite literally <laughs> yeah so anytime she got a, a her hands on a main cast member we're like no no, get her away. Come on, Montana Max. I know you have money. <laughs> Screw the rules. You have money. Yeah. Do something about this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's my little envoy. Um, we're at the point where we probably, unless you've got a, a last minute segment to help our listeners, we can... Uh, uh, not really. I mean, I guess I don't remember if I talked about it last time, but don't believe the bullshit about the marginal tax rates that are still going around. You right. know, right? It's not seventy percent of your entire income; it's just seventy percent of the income within that bracket. Watch the thing on Vox; they talk about it. It's real simple. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. Let's hope this uh, Congress can figure out a way to end the shutdown, and uh, and we can start seeing what this new Congress can do. Indeed, uh, uh, given uh, you know no restraints on situation we have now hopefully uh we get back and protect these national parks and indeed and get get tsa paid get coast guard paid uh get people back to work and uh right i mean y'all want your tax returns right yeah i know <laughs> yeah those are gonna be delayed so I, mean, I haven't gotten a tax return in years I, yeah. I always have to pay for some reason. Though. Yeah, Something things with happen. College loans, who knows? Yeah, that's, I get minimal tax yeah. returns. Yeah. I get enough write-offs from like sole proprietorships to be like, I get a return. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nick Ackerman, thank you, uh, man, for for taking time out of your Sunday and come hang out with us. My pleasure. This is fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank the, you for coming out. Give it. Give us a third perspective. Uh, you know, that way Chaz and I are just always arguing. You that's know. true. <laughs> Although we get we agree on most things, we're just. We're just debating uh, the for the listeners, you know, to to help kind of have these construct conversations that are tougher for people to have in public society. So maybe they listen to this and they can come to their own conclusions or make their own deciding moments to have these type of conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is actually the first show I've ever listened to. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I was listening to one on the way here. I was like, oh wow, 
These guys are smart. Oh, they're smarter oh. than I am. I don't know that's much why about we, politics. Nick Ackerman, <laughs> he, he promised to, to compliment us on the air, so that's why we had him as a guest this week. Uh, <laughs> he, he is our new uh, science education correspondent, so he'll probably be back. We'll, we'll, we'll check in with you. We'll hear more about those experiences. Uh, we, went, we went a little political this week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you, you know the, the ins and outs of science. Oh, I, I guess. I don't know. I, was, uh, I, I, I teach high school science, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at school for uh, primarily children with autism, which is pretty cool. But it's, oh, nice. it's inclusive to all level learners. Um, but, yeah, I teach you know, biology, environmental science, um, physics, Health. Well, that's that's been interesting this year. Yeah. I'm gonna do like sexual health. I'm like, oh boy. Okay, here we go. But yeah. it's all good. You help know? help mold in the brains of our, our future world leaders. Mm-hmm. Or uh animatic animaniac impressionists. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you're developing uh well, that's the fun thing about environmental science. I think there's a political aspect to it. Oh yeah. Know? And and it's something that's so important right now. And and that's another beautiful thing about living in Seattle is everybody's aware of you know the green revolution and being environmentally friendly and things like that yeah but, uh we need to talk to the rest of the country and make them realize that you know coal and oil ain't the answer yeah exactly some renewables. Oh. But anyway. uh if i could also tell people listen to uh or if, if y'all are into like you know extra learning and you have 90 dollars to throw on a master class i do uh recommend paul krugman's uh, economy podcast because it goes into a lot of things like like how what i learned about our economy is less about jobs going overseas and there being a lack of breadth of jobs based on location all right so so yeah it's really good at me going like oh okay uh so maybe having t-shirt people in burma is a weird sort of not win-win but it would be less win-win if you took them out than more win-win if you didn't uh, yeah it was complicated but it it definitely told me a lot about how money works in the world i was like oh, okay mm-hmm. yeah and uh and there's a lot of different uh classes out there on master class i saw one that was taught by a commander of the space station and i think that would have been a cool one i would have t- taken talking about um just basically all the thrust and physics that it takes to escape our uh atmosphere and gravity and then on top of that all the mechanics it takes to then you know complete a mission up there um well if you want to watch it i have your access to it boom there we go we'll, we'll be watching it's like a, i think it's like a six-part class i mean he teaches some pretty dynamic things uh also uh you can get a hold of me at Seatown mayor on the Twitter sphere, uh, take a look at uh, me tweet once every three months. Uh, but you can also keep track of Chaz. Uh, yeah, so you can catch me at the Chaz Bazes. Uh, Chaz Baz will be all my political stuff, but I still I'm bad at Twitter, like really bad at Twitter. Like I don't know what Twitter is. Well, I do, but like <laughs> I don't interact with it enough to to be like because I hear so much about Twitter and like shit goes down on Twitter, and I'm just like what <laughs> so you know yeah that's interesting every time you refresh twitter you see so much going on and i mean even if you just want to follow us and kanye you're gonna have a a full twitter mm-hmm. uh you know he'll tweet 20 times in a four-hour period it's amazing uh as always uh listen to our friends in the podcasting world uh i love all fantasy everything those guys are my friends uh, Ron Funches has a podcast called getting better yep that's uh, a good one check out his uh special giggle fit 
and uh, and support live comedy in your area. Nick, is there anything you want to have the people listen to or, or go to that you support? What do you like on the internet? What's your go-to cool internet site? Like, uh, uh, I don't know. Puppy videos, usually. Puppy videos? Yeah. All right, so uh, go to you- <laughs> YouTube.com and type in puppy videos. Uh, if you go to some other websites, you'll get some puppy videos. They'll be a little different. Uh, uh, my my fiance and I, we host a trivia night. Oh, yeah, in the, cool. in the Seattle area. Uh, stop by Tuesdays. At, at the, the Wits Center. End, yeah. and uh, and 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 get your trivia on. Chaz and I and uh, Nick here have been a part. Well, Chaz and I have been a part of two wins this week. We are back to back trivia champions. Yeah. Uh, so they had <clears throat> Disney questions, <laughs> and, and, and they had flags of the world that I was familiar with, and I watch a lot of international sports, folks. All right, international sports. I now know the flag of Panama because of this. It's real. It's real. I might it's that's maybe that's my first tattoo. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening out there in the, you know, podcast verse. Uh, Chaz, it's been fun. Yes, it's been fun, Nick. It's been fun, Mikel. Yeah. I, I had fun. All right. You guys uh, have a good afternoon. We'll be back next time. Peace. My rich ass back on. Glow so bright, I can make moonlight. See, this ain't like your pheromones. Blue one, big gun, bare tone. Who won? We won your home. We old school like Chopper, though. My old school made doctor know. My old school made hard, not. Black on black, my coop and strap ain't balling.